Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. Jesus is alive, and he has given us a mission of bringing revival to his church. So today we've got a really exciting episode for you. I'm actually joined, we're, we're co-hosting this bad boy. I'm here with Ms. Carla Melgar. We're going to be co-hosting this bad boy. Carla, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Lee. Thank you for inviting me sure. today to be co-hosting You're- with you. I'm very happy to have our special guest today. Yeah. Yeah. So excited to be with you today. Yeah, this is not a, I, I didn't mean to welcome you. We're co-hosting this thing. This is you and me together. Juntos, come on. All right. All right. Let's so, just do this together. Carla, what do you do? What I do, I work in the Office of Evangelization, leading people, you know, to try to encounter Jesus Christ yeah. in different ways that we are able to serve. So um, helping the Hispanic community and Anglo community. So just serving everyone in the yeah. archdiocese. Yeah. So you've been, you started like a month before I did. Yes. So we're both kind of new here. Mm-hmm. So a little bit over a year. Yep. We mm-hmm. just we just had that one year anniversary. Yes. Together kind of. So, um, yeah. So very excited. Uh, you know, opportunity that the Lord has given me to serve the right. Archdiocese. Yeah. So very happy to be here. And where were you before, Carla? I used to be the director of religious education for uh, St. Paul Parish in Oleta. Mm-hmm. Some of you out there may be uh, may recognize Carla from a previous episode with Father Bob Conroy, the Missionaries of Charity uh, father, who we had on. And uh, gosh, what a what a guy, what a man. Yes, I was very happy that he visited around Lent. Uh, I think it was the a week before Holy Week mm-hmm. when we had him here. So yeah. a lot of wisdom that we can get from him. Lots of wisdom. Yes. So very happy that he was able to yeah. join us. We're actually recording this the day after uh, St. Mother Teresa's memorial, after her feast day. Yes, so we... shout out St. Mother Teresa. Please pray for us. Sure. And shout out to all the missionaries of charity out there. Um, yeah. So Carla, would you like to introduce our awesome guest today? Yes, uh, today we have our um, guest speaker, and her name is Tessie Carmona. She is a full-time missionary. Um, she born, and she's originally from Mexico. Um, she has different apostolate, and one of the biggest things that she has is she work with it's Catholic Christian Outreach. Catholic Christian Outreach. Hey. Yes, yes, Catholic Christian Outreach, and very happy to have her here. She's visiting because we're going to have some events that she's going to be joining us. And Tessie has been a very key, important piece on evangelization. Um, she also has experience in theology of the body, too. Oh, cool. And she has an apostolate that she uh, is leading with her sister in Mexico to help young adults with evangelization. So I will... Um, like to introduce Tessie Carmona uh, today. So welcome uh, to thank Kansas. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tessie, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, Carla kind of gave a little bit of your professional bio, uh, mm-hmm. but who is Tessie Carmona? Hmm. If you ask who. Right, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I need to start by my my identity. Yeah. So I am a bride of Christ. Um, I consecrated virgin. Awesome. Um, I am the daughter of my parents. 
There you go. And my sister's sister. Um, I, um, I'm a full-time missionary. I consider myself a full-time missionary. I work part-time for CCO, and the other part-time I um, invest in our own apostolate mm. in Mexico City. I studied biology at the University of Victoria in Canada. Mm. So I was born and raised in Mexico City, uh, but then studied abroad, which is where I met CCO. Um, and then I went back to Mexico um, because... I wanted to serve my people. Yeah. Um, and so I live in Mexico City. Um, and Where in Mexico City? Because it's kind of big, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is pretty big. Uh, the southern part of Mexico City. Mm. Uh, for anybody that has visited, it's Coyoacán. Mm. How many people live there? That's a good question. Uh, it depends on where you draw the border. Mm. Uh, Mexico City, per se, if you consider just the municipality mm. that is considered Mexico City. Um, it's actually not that many. Okay. Uh, but if you do All not care about area. the border yeah. uh, and consider the massive metropolitan area sure. that it is, um, I, I like to say that it's about two-thirds of Canadian population in one city. Wow. So that's like a lot of million. Yeah, 20-ish. 20 20-ish million? That's crazy. When did you make your consecration? Uh, it is a year, nine months, and a day. All right. So you, we're all kind of just having this like one year anniversary kind of thing. Yes. A little different because that's like your vocation. But yes. And you know, I was able to kind of celebrate with her on the distance mm. because uh, that was the year that I met Tessie. Um, and it was through the beautiful opportunity that we have to use technology. Mm -hmm. So we met from um, one of the faith study that I was a participant and that was the year that she was consecrated, and she was uh, kind of give us the link, and we were part of that mm. that big celebration. Nice. So it was very beautiful to see her uh, consecrate her life to yeah. Jesus. Wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. So, uh, Tessie, what's your story of falling in love with Jesus? I always knew the Lord mm. in a certain sense, not as profoundly, but I, I knew the Lord. Um, I was born and raised in a Catholic family. Um, my mom taught us to relate to God in a close way. Um, she used to pray for parking spots. <laughs> uh, she's a little bit ill, and so she couldn't walk much. Mm. And so she always used to, when we were pulling up somewhere, she would ask the Lord for a good parking place. Yeah. Um, and, and most of the time, she did find a good parking place. Nice. So I grew up with this closeness with the Lord, understanding sure. that he cared about every little thing in my life, that he was interested and he was attentive to me in a personal way to my most mundane needs. And so for the longest time, um, when I was uh, a student in university in my first few years, my most common prayer went something like this. Dear Lord, you know everything. Therefore, you must know where I left my keys mm -hmm. or my cell phone or my wallet yep. or you name it. Um, and I felt that he really cared. So my relationship with him has always been personal. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know how deep it could go. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know how much he actually did care. I did not believe in the real presence. Mm. Um, I Growing up or? Growing up, mm. yeah. I thought this was just a sign. I somehow went through catechism and through sacramental prep without this understanding. Mm. Um, I knew it was important, and I, I actually drove myself to Mass as a, as a high schooler. 
Um, but because it was because I had a commitment to the choir. Uh, I had a commitment to go sing into the people there, not because of a commitment to the mass. Sure. Uh, and I remember we, we sung up in the balcony. Um, and I loved it because I didn't have to pay a lot of attention and people couldn't see me. Right. Uh, so we, we would joke around and poke each other's bellies, actually, sure. with the organist. Um, and, and what was happening downstairs was good. That was it. It yeah. wasn't the focus of my attention. Um, then I went off to university uh, in Canada. I met the university student movement. Um, it was it was not CCO at the time. It was just the, the Catholic Student Association. And I overheard at a retreat two girls talking. Um, they were it was before something else that was was happening, and one of them was saying. I cannot wait for tonight. Mm. I cannot wait for adoration tonight. And I just overheard them. And I was like, huh, people long for that. Mm. There is something there. Because that was the most boring time for me. Right. The first time I experienced adoration was in Canada. Or maybe I had it in Mexico and I was clueless about it. But the first time that I was present, um, I was shocked. I was like, who sings in Latin? Is that Who the does Latin? this? What, is Latin not a dead language? <laughs> like, why are they singing Latin? Why are they all on their knees? I was really wondering. I was very confused. What are they thinking? Like, honestly, I want to yeah. know what's going on in their minds because I am here, bored, my knees hurt, yep. and, and, and I don't understand any of this. That was my first experience of Eucharistic mm. adoration. So as you can see, I grew up not really knowing, sure. not being very close, despite the fact that I knew that the Father cared for me. Um, and I believe that Jesus was God the Father on a human costume. Hmm. He just put on a human costume on top. Um, and I had no relationship with Jesus at all. Hmm. I was only to the Father. Um, and then that started to change at, at the university. Um, I overheard. Actually, no, it wasn't overheard. I was at a retreat. Yeah. Uh, and they were, we were praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And they were just saying the, the prayers, you know. And when I heard the, how does this go in English? Um, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, blood, soul, soul, and divinity divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for my sins and those of the whole world. And I have to be like, wait, what? And they kept praying, but I just stopped there. Yeah. I was like, sorry, what? It sounded to me like this was just an exchange, Mm. you know? Uh, kind of like currency exchange. I give you right. pesos, you give me dollars. Yep. Really? That simple. What about all the like? I have to be good. I have to go to mass. I yeah, have the to contingencies. Yeah. I have to do all of these things. I had, you know, like the works of mercy and then the sacraments. Like that. None of that appears in that prayer. Mm. It, it is just I give you your son crucified, and I receive and exchange my salvation. Really. It was so foreign mm. uh, to me and so shocking. Um, but praying over that and actually like wrestling with that came to the understanding that, yes, really, that's simple. That is why he died. Yeah. Um, and that everything else is not my way of purchasing my salvation, but a way of expressing my gratitude for the salvation that I have received. And participating in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Those, those, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so it, it's 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 like you you put the equation backwards, yeah. You know, turn it around, um, and so then, uh, but that also helped me to understand that God the Father and Jesus were different people. 
Um, and then again through the CSA, we were talking about the double nature of the Lord, and I was like, mm. oh wait, he's actually human, mm-hmm. like like really really human, not not a God in human costume. It's mm-hmm. not a costume. It's actually him, he in a different yeah. person, and and he, he with humanity. So then I can relate to him with everything that he is. He has emotions. He has. Uh, dreams. He he went to the bathroom. You know. Yeah. He, he one of my favorite passages is uh, the end of the Gospel of John, where it's he's, the Lord, the Creator of the heavens and the universe, is sitting on a beach, cooking breakfast for his friends. Yeah, just toasting some fish and bread, uh, on on the flames. And 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 so like it was, I didn't have to believe in God's uh, Jesus' uh, divinity. I had to believe in his humanity. Mm. I had to learn to. To believe in his humanity, um, and then that allowed a relationship, because he is actually human. Therefore, I can relate. Yeah, I cannot understand God in his depth and mystery, etc. Right, but I can relate to a human, and so then my relationship yeah. with him began. Um, and through the spread of divine mercy, then I also understood that he had saved me. Mm. So he became my savior. Um, and then uh, at, at at the CSA, and this is all. My vocation is all sure. intertwined with sure. all of this. But at the CSA, we had uh, the priest brought in a friar, a Franciscan friar, um, who gave us a talk on vocations mm. one of the evenings. Um, and I remember two things from the talk. The first one is that he showed us um, a picture of his new recruits. Uh, and it was this um, young friar in the Franciscan habit showing his big, powerful arms. Like this was a mm. tough, big guy. Uh, with a massive tattoo of Our Lady of Guadalupe mm. on his arm. Uh, and the priest shared with us that that big, beautiful tattoo was there to hide another tattoo that was not very becoming mm. of the uh, sure. religious life. And that helped me understand that the people that become religious mm-hmm. or consecrated are normal people. Yeah. Completely normal people. Um, and then the last thing I remember from his talk uh, is that he challenged us. He asked us to ask the Lord what our vocation was. And at first, I laughed at the idea mm. um, because, and I, I apologize for this, but this is why my under, my, what my understanding was. I thought that the women that got lo- like locked themselves up in convents were sure. good for nothing, couldn't have done anything better with their lives because mm. they were making um, liquor. Rompope in sure. Spanish and, and hosts. That's all what they were good for. And and I sincerely apologize to all religious for this thought. Right. Um, but that that is what I knew. That's how superficial um, sure. my, my understanding of things were. But then as I walked home and this question came to my mind mm. and I had to, th- the, the thought came, if this is what he wants, then why not? And this thought kept going through my head. And I began to wrestle with this for many years, um, up to the point where I was in Munich doing an internship, um, and I passed by this fair of vocations. I was biking, and there was this, this is a fair. biology yes internship. This is a biology internship okay. in Munich, yes, mm-hmm. with the Max Planck Institute uh, for Ornithology that I was in Munich for. And I stopped passed by this fair of vocations, and it was this religious woman. Um, I stopped and I asked her this question that had been going around in my head, and it was, why would you want to give up your name? A lot of religious, not all of them, but a lot of religious take on a new name mm-hmm. when they enter the convent. And I didn't want to give up mine if I ever became 
religious uh because this religion uh religious vocation was getting closer and closer and growing in my heart but I, i was wrestling with the idea that i didn't want to give up my name uh, because I didn't want to give up my identity. Mm. And so she explained a little bit of this, assuming this new identity, becoming a new person now entirely given to him. And I wrestled with that as I biked home. Um, and at, I was wrestling at the time with, because I was at a biology internship, I was trying to hide my faith from the biologists. Mm. So I, ha- I was reading the book um, from um, Pope Benedict, Jesus is Nazareth. Yeah. Uh, he's German, so I was reading in a book club in German, and I didn't want to bring the book to my field work. Sure. Because I didn't want them to see it. Um, and so then when I was biking home after talking to this religious woman, I I was wrestling with this new identity thing, and yeah. then I realized that at that point I was living like a double-sided. I was living, leaving, I was living two lives. Yeah. You know, one where I was Catholic religious, went to daily mass occasionally uh, and was reading the book from uh, Pope Benedict. And the other one where I was a biologist and I was hiding everything that was Christian uh, because I knew that they would have questions and I didn't want to have to answer anything. Sure. So I was living this double life thing. And as I pondered the idea of receiving a new identity in Christ, I decided that that's what I wanted. Mm. I didn't want to be living this double thing again anymore. I wanted to just be fully Christian, fully his, mm-hmm. uh, and and let him give me a new name. Because so what I wrote is that my name isn't going to the trash. My identity won't be given given to the trash if I change it. It will be renewed. It will be restored, and it will be better because it will be given from you. Instead of everything that I've put on that I've made myself believe that I am, you will give me a new identity. Yeah, and that day. And expressing the Lord, okay, I am open. Give me well, your new identity. He became my Lord. Come on. That's so powerful. I just I think about Matthew 16, for example, when uh, Jesus says to Peter and the disciples, he says, who do they, like, who do, who do they all think I am? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, some people this, some people that, da, 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 da. And he, he says, but who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter, being Peter, being bold and reckless and awesome was like you're the Christ, mm-hmm. and you know that's when Jesus found you know founded the church right there. Boom. But I think there's a call for us, just like just like you're talking about, that we we can ask Jesus the exact same question, mm-hmm. like Jesus, who do you say that I am? Like who am I? Like in letting Him speak and giving Him space to talk and to prompt, and to move, and letting that guide our now and tomorrow. It's just, yeah, it's wonderful. We can ask the same question. Jesus, who do you mm. say that I am? That's a great reflection. And I think I was too concerned with the previous question. Mm. Who do people say that I am? Sure. Um, and I was living my life out of that, mm-hmm. and it's consuming, and yeah. it's exhausting. It'll tear you down, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and. and and a lot of the things that I did for faith, you know, were, were motivated by that. Well, who do people say that I am? Hmm. As opposed to just asking, okay, who do you, who do you yeah. say that I am? And that just opened the, word, the door hmm. to everything that he had to do. So because that, with, with the previous experience, one with the Divine Mercy Chapel, made him both my Lord and my Savior. Right. Uh, and then at this point, it was actually to Jesus. Hmm. It wasn't just the Father anymore. 
um, it was beautiful. it was with him. And so then, yeah, he he gave, he had power to work over my life. Uh, and and I don't know if you've heard the there's this song uh, from the Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. Uh, it's a play. I've seen it. There, yeah. Okay, there's a song in there where um, he sings to his wife and he asks her, "Do you love me?" And he, she gives him all this, like, I have milked your cow. I have taken care of your children. I have like folded your laundry. You right. know, I've washed everything. Why Why are you asking me if you love me, mm-hmm. if I love you? Like, what, what kind of a question is that? Um, and he's like, yes, I know. But but do you love me? You know, it, it's important to me. I know you've done all of that. But is yeah. it because of love? And I felt like the Lord was singing the song to me. Mm. And he was asking, do you love me? Wow. And I was responding, I have gone to mass, I have attended the sacraments, you know, I am a missionary, right. um, I'm going to mass, they like, I've done all these things. And he's like, yes, I know, but do you love me? Yeah. You know, what matters to me is, is why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Do, do you actually love me? And it began to grow in me. And at the end of the song, the wife uh, and, and, and the fiddler, old fiddler on the roof, mm-hmm. she does answer, you know what? I think I do. Yeah. And he then and then he responds, and I love you too. Mm. And so then that ended up being the end of my my song to the Lord, you know, right. where he's like, Yes, but do you love me? And then I mean like, I actually think I do. Yeah. And his answer is, I love you too. Yeah. You know, or or the other way. He loves me and then I have to say, sure. I love you too. Wow. Uh so that's how I've evolved, you know. That's how Jesus become that's started wonderful. to become who he is. And from then, it just began to grow much. Like he, the door, sure. the door was open, and he did what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, in, in my life and in my heart, because I gave him permission. Yeah. I said, "You can do whatever. Mm-hmm. I, you give me the new identity. Mm-hmm. I will be who you want me to be. Wow. So you take over." Yeah. And he did. Uh, and this vocation thing grew and grew and grew. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I was like, "Okay, I'm called to consecrated life. Which convent?" Yep. And I looked and I searched for convents and then I met with the Dominicans and the other Dominicans and the Franciscans and the other Franciscans and a bunch of uh, the Mexican order with the religious of the cross and, and the, the contemplative and the active one. And I just couldn't find where to belong. Yeah. And in the end, I was like, OK, I'm done. Just surprise me. Surprise me. Just you do it. <laughs> just surprise me. I'm done. Look, trying to find where where it is yeah. that you want me to be. Um, I just want to be yours. Yeah, that's it. And you take over the rest. Um, and I lived with that. I just want to be yours um, for, wow. for for a long time. And basically, I was like, at some point, and there's a story behind that, but sure. we don't have to go into that. Um, basically, I was asked if I wanted to make a temporary vow, mm. just privately, a private consecration, because I couldn't find where. So it's like, well, in the meantime, let's just make a private consecration. Yeah. And it was a temporary vow. And I was like, I don't want a temporary vow. Yeah. I've been living with a temporary vow over my head for years. Yeah. That's not what I want. I want a permanent one. I, I want the decision to be made. And so December the 12th of 2020, I made my private vow to the Lord where I promised um, that I would be his. And at this point, because of the theology of the body, I understood the concept of the bride and that I wanted to be bride of Christ uh, and, and the the, how the Lord is the groom and is um, yeah. courting, courting us, yep. you know, and enamoring, enamoring Enamored. Us? Thank you. That. With us, yeah. Yes. yes. No, no, but he wants us to fall in love with him. Uh, yeah, maybe let's put it that he's way. He's romancing us. There we go. Yes. yes. How he was, <laughs> us and me. And so then at that point I was like, hey, that's what I want. Mm. And so, yeah, I made my private vow and became his bride, but it was a secret. You mm. know, it was a private thing. 
It was a, a surprise. It was private. in your inner room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it was between him and I after communion. I wrote down my promise, my vow, mm. um, and I signed it and I put the date on it. The only ones I knew were my sister who was there and the priest who, who gave us communion. It was a private communion because mm. we were during um, COVID. Ah. So it was lockdown. So I, I talked to the priest and he invited us to receive confession and communion, just the wow, two of us uh, at the parish for that. Um, and so that's when I became his bride, but it was a private thing. Mm. And a year later, when things were more open, um, and I finally found <laughs> the order. Yeah because um, he brought me to it, then I became officially his. Come on. Officially his bride. Tessie, that's amazing. Praise God. Thank you. Carla, yes. I know we're like co-hosting this, but yeah. can can I ask you, like, yes. what's your story of falling in love with Jesus? Okay, so my story. Well, I grew up in El Salvador, um, Catholic. You know, I attend um, all my education since preschool until high school. Uh, with the Jesuit, uh, Jesuit um, community there. Um, grew up going to mass through the school. My family at that point were no very practicing Catholic. They believe, but they, we didn't practice going regularly every Sunday going to mass. Um, but I grew up with all the teaching of the Catholic Church. I did my first communion, my confirmation. Do you have a big family? Were you... We are... I have... Two more um, siblings, okay, and then my parents. But very faithful family, but no practicing sure. for sure. Um, grew up, you know. I went to university. I graduated uh, as a dentist, but in the college years or university years, I didn't practice in at all. But I always have that relationship with God uh, in a very kind of friendly way and very kind of informal. Um, I remember that I, I, I like to read a lot. So that's the way that I like to uh, relax. And every night I cannot fall asleep if I don't have my Bible and mm. read something. And I knew that he was close to me all the time, but it, but it was just when I needed, you know what I'm mm. saying? It's just when I needed, yep. I was kind of talking to him and know a very intimacy relationship, mm -hmm. the way that, I, you know, now I experience. Right. So years pass, graduate, and then I met my husband on my last um, year of um, education. And we decide that we're going to get married and have a good life. And at that time in El Salvador, because of my country, was dealing with a lot of uh, civil war. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was very difficult to have a better future for family, sure. professionally, even though I was a dentist. Uh, you were a dentist. I'm a dentist. Mm -hmm. You went to dental school. Yes, I wow. did. Yes. So I can fix teeth. No, you know? stay away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, so we decided, we were talking about it and said, you know what? Um, we're going to get married. What is going to be our future? Say, definitely the future is not here in El Salvador mm. because um, first, the thing, the way we see it was we want a place that my kids can burn, be born, and then um, feel free. Yeah. Feel free to do whatever they want to do. In El Salvador, it's so hard to get out a visa for a tourist mm. visa. 
I mean, it's denied all the time. So even though you have dreams, even though you you want to uh, do good things, it, it was at that time at least very hard to do it. So it's a lot of good people, professional people, people with a lot of intellect mm. and with a lot of talent that uh, they are not able to do great things because, I mean, the conditions that mm-hmm. they were at that time. Yeah. So we want uh, to have a better life for our kiddos on mm-hmm. that end. So we decide to immigrate and come here. Yeah. So when we were here, without uh, no parents, no siblings, no help, no help. Don't I didn't know the the language. So yeah. so I just want to apologize my broken English for all of you guys. But we love you. Uh, that's the English that I learned in here, which I feel very proud that I'm able to communicate with all of you. Yeah, and um. So I was pretty much alone with my husband yeah. when mm-hmm. we came here. And then you realize, what do I have in mm-hmm. here? So I don't have friends. I don't know the language. I just have my faith. Mm-hmm. And I start growing up more. And, you know, I start trying to look for a, um, a church in Spanish because I didn't know sure. the language. And people say, well, you know, it is a place. But I, we didn't even know how to get there. Mm. I remember it was almost a year that I was not able to be uh, to going to mass mm. because we didn't have a vehicle. We have to depend on other people to get us there. Yeah. Until finally my husband, um, we have a vehicle, and somebody told him in his work where it was the place, and they drove us. And we learned how to get to church. Mm. And I met uh, at a pastor at that church, and that was Father Michael Hermes. Mm. Over what? I met him almost 27 years ago. Wow. So when you immigrated, you immigrated to Kansas City. Yes, directly to Kansas City. Was there a reason behind that? Or you're just like, it's in the middle? and Well, no, it was a reason because I have my grandmother here oh, okay. from my mom's side. Okay. So she was able to receive us here. I have an uncle and an aunt okay. here, and they opened the doors for us. So they decided to um, help us here and was very excited. But my family um, don't practice Catholic, mm. you know, they don't practice that. So... Um, so I met father over there, and he heard my story, and he said, okay, you know one thing that you need to do here is to learn the language. Do, do you want to do that? Mm. And I said, yes, I want to do it. He said, okay, so I'm going to help you. And I went to Donnelly College mm. and was able to learn the language. But at that time, you know, I rediscovered my faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything just the Lord that I have to hold on it. Yeah. And I start getting more involved in the church as a Eucharist ministry uh, or um, I was um, the um, a reader too. Mm-hmm. So helping here and there and growing up a little bit more on my faith. Sure. It was through um, a very difficult illness that I carried with me. Um, that I was definitely encountered more, more Jesus Christ. Mm. So I get very sick. Mm. Um, after I delivered my first my first baby, mm. and it is a condition that I have um, that I definitely I can lose my sight. Mm. 
when this uh, illness affect, so affect my vision. Mm. So again and again, so the Lord was kind of knocking on me and say, I want you to be closer to me, closer to me, to get knowing, uh, come to me. I want you to know me more mm. because in here you can rest on me. And that's how I was getting more and more into knowing him. Right. Um, until the point like I decided, you know, Lord, you are the one who can heal. You are the one that brought me to this country. And you have a reason. At that time, when I left El Salvador, I was thinking because it was economic way that he, God's want me here. Mm. But with the, the years pass, I understood what was the reason. Of course, he want everything good for, for me and my family. But wasn't, that was not the main reason he want me here. He want me here to continue in serving the people serving the church in United States, mm. brought the faith that I came with my country, that it was a broken faith, but he restored, he transformed that faith mm. and say, there is so many needs in here, in a different need that in your country, mm. that I want you here for you to bring other people to me, but I want you first to be restored. I want you first to be transformed in mm. order to bring others. So I led him to transform it, to heal, you know, to heal everything that it was in my heart. Because when you are an immigrant, you left everything. You left your family. You yeah. left your friends. And you have to uh, get restored on that mm -hmm. and kind of open again to, to know new people, yeah. to trust people, to feel like uh, this is your place now. Yeah. So it is a process. And when... The Lord was with me in that process. I was restored and understanding why was the reason he brought me here, mm -hmm. which is this is what I'm doing now, you know, try yeah. to uh, accomplish the mission that he does for me. Yeah. So on that um, journey, I was strong on, on knowing him more, uh, getting that intimacy relationship yeah. with him and be strong on my faith and showing me that I cannot do anything without him. Mm -hmm. So everything I try to rely on him, especially, you know, with my prayer. Yeah. So I, I learn not just to learn, I know him through prayer. Right. I get that intimacy when I meet every time in the prayer with him. So that's, that's how, you know, I get into all this. And uh, I remember... Every time that I was feeling alone, feeling disencouraged, mm -hmm. I was running to the Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Blessed Sacrament transformed and healed so much that I definitely am here where I am because of the transformation of the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, reconciliation, yeah. all those beautiful sacraments that we have in our Catholic Church. They are so special, and the graces that we receive yeah. from those sacraments are so powerful that I help me in this journey just uh, to love my family and to love others. Yeah, mm. man, that's that's profound. I can I, I can't imagine I can't imagine you know growing up somewhere that you you had to leave uproot, mm -hmm. and yeah, like you you leave everything. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, so I think it, it just speaks to your fortitude. And by the way, fortitude, cardinal virtue, it's the one that makes all the others possible, basically. Because mm-hmm. if we're only, um, what is it? if we only are charitable, if we're only just, if we are only uh, tempered, when it's easy, mm-hmm. that's not virtue. Mm-hmm. Fortitude yeah. is is what makes all the others true. You so, know, yeah, I, I when when I'm have uh, the ability to speak with all the immigrants. I told them, yes, of course, I mean, God's want you to do material things for you, but that's not the main reason he brought us here. We have a big mission to do here. Mm-hmm. It's a special uh, to bring our faith, to help others, mm-hmm. to uh, bring others to the encounter with Jesus Christ. So it's like, that is our mission. So yeah. we have a big responsibility to keep growing in, in our Catholic Church, to build up the kingdom in here, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm so excited and to do what I do. Yeah. And just to think about how like Jesus, the Holy Family, they were immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like they were in exile for how many years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you have something in common with the Lord that a lot of people don't. So that's that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Eucharist, he kept, uh, the Lord kept knocking. And I was just thinking about how um, the Lord calls us in John 15, abide abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. He says abide like over a dozen times, just abide in me and bear fruit, abide in me. And how the Lord was calling you to abide. Um, yeah, and how strange it must feel to, to, to you know, taking this analogy maybe one step further, like being uprooted and being, you know, ungrafted, not on the vine mm. or like kind of midair. But then coming here and the Lord's just inviting you to abide and to to accept that uh, or to, to cling to him. I don't know. It's just I just have so much respect for you, Carla. Uh, you're awesome. Oh, thank you, Lee. Yeah. Thank you. And like I said, very blessed. It's an honor, completely an honor to be part of the Archdiocese and serve. Like Atesi was saying, serving my people and my people is everyone in the Archdiocese. Yep. So I'm very blessed to to be here with all of you. Yeah. So what advice would you give to anybody out there who might be on the fence with this whole Eucharist thing? Because both of you have had a pretty profound mm-hmm. um, reversion, if you will, or just a conversion mm-hmm. uh, with respect to the Holy Eucharist. Uh, so what advice would you give to anybody out there who might be on the fence with Jesus, this reality of Jesus' true presence in the Holy Eucharist? Ask. Ask him. Mm. That that that's That day of adoration, after I heard the, this young students talking I, I knelt like every other time yeah but this time I addressed him and I told him it's like I don't see what they see I I can I don't believe what they believe but I want to mm. because they are finding so much comfort so much joy yeah in in here I want that so I told him I I don't but but you give what I'm lacking you know you yeah I want to believe. And every time, once a month, we had adoration at the student community. And every time I asked, I want to. Yeah. I, I want to believe. And I was expecting some magic trick, I think. Right. You know, I was expecting this, like, sudden, aha. The epiphany The, the epiphany, the heavens open, and suddenly <laughs> Tessie believes, you know. Uh, no, that, that did not happen. Um, what happened is that I was at uh, my second year of university at this point taking a biology class um, on ecology. And we had spent the first three months studying how beautiful everything is and how it works. 
And the last month we studied of how humans have wrecked it mm. in many ways. How how we have destroyed and, and like all the different problems that you have in biology, you know, like um uh overexploitation of, of resources yep. and, and um animal uh, species extinction, sure. you know, and, and pollution and like we were just studying all these things and it's it, it's very depressing. Yep. The professor actually said, If you leave the class I won't blame you. Mm. I understand. It's a very depressing topic. And it was hurting. I, yeah. I, I, with the love that I had for biology, I was aching with this. And I think it's a little bit regarding what Carla had said. You know, there was a need. There was an ache in my heart, and I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. Um. And and then, thinking just thinking of the creed, uh, you know, he made everything, the visible and invisible. And I just I couldn't go on with the creed. That was just the first line, and yeah. I was already stuck with this problem of you made everything. It was so beautifully made. You saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. And we have caused so much trouble in the goodness that you have. So I had this ache and I didn't know what to do with it. And it was like I naturally, I, it wasn't a decision. It wasn't, it wasn't a re- rational choice. Sure. It was just I ended up before the tabernacle. Because mm. when my heart ached, it knew where to find what it needed. Mm. And I ended up by, guided by emotion before the tabernacle crying before the Lord, letting everything out, telling him, apologizing to him, yeah. asking for forgiveness on wow. the behalf of all humankind yeah. uh, for what we have done. So that was one. Yeah. And then a few months later, we were at a retreat. A student had shared their testimony. It was a the heart testimony. Mm. They had shared intense things, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, brokenness and, and suffering. Sure. And I was carrying that. And again, there was something in my heart that needed to find comfort, needed to bring that to the Lord. And what drew me yeah. was to plant myself before yeah. the blessed. Uh, it wasn't before the blessed sacrament in adoration. It was just the tabernacle. He's still there. He, yeah. And I, I, when I needed him yeah. from my humanity, yeah. not with my mind and my reason and my science, because as a biologist, that's yep. a big deal, um, but with my heart. And, and with my longing yeah. and the, with the cry and the brokenness, yeah. when I had that, I knew where to find him. Mm-hmm. So I planted before, myself before the Blessed Sacrament. And again, I cried yep. and I, I prayed for this guy and, and his testimony. And then a year went by of me do, recurringly bringing to the Lord what I had in yeah. the tabernacle. Yeah. And I was it was a year after the retreat where I has started asking for sure. for faith, asking to believe. And the question came to my mind of, because I was before the Blessed Sacrament, again, asking him for faith, not thinking that there was anything. Right. And the question popped into my mind, of like, if you don't believe, then why do you come to me here every mm. time you need me? Like, if, if you don't have faith, you say that you don't have faith in the Blessed Sacrament, then why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, why do you keep coming back to me whenever you need it? And I was like, oh. You're like, oh. I didn't see did that. <laughs> I was like, I, 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 I didn't know when yeah. I started believing, you know. But it was, it was when I wasn't rationalizing, when yeah. I wasn't yeah. scientifically analyzing everything. Yep. When, I, when my heart was broken and I needed to abide, my heart knew where to go to. Yeah. And I began to believe. And so then, then I realized that I did believe. I didn't think I did, but I did. Right. Uh, and only years after that, I heard um, about Scott Scott Hans' conversion and his Scott like Hahn, yeah. f- uh, fourth cup. Yep. 
um, talk that's, that's on YouTube. I heard it, and yeah. then I was like, oh, oh, there is actual like background to all of this. Yeah. There's a study and there's a scripture, and it can be mental and it can be rationalized yep. and it can be understood. But what brought me to understand that I believe was not understanding, mm. but need. Yeah, and, and desire. And yes, yeah, and, and yeah. yeah. So, it, but it began with a with a with a question. Right. It began with asking for faith. There's something about when we have faith, right? That we when we ask Him and He gives it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's a grace. Like all is grace. Like God is the first mover in everything. Like in every good work, He is always the first mover. Um, I was just thinking about how when we ask for faith and when we receive it, it's as if He gives. It, he's giving us a compass, mm-hmm. not to just live life by and oh, where's you know where am I going? And just like the Lord's gonna bless everything that I do because Jesus loves me and He told me so. Not that, but it's this: when when you're lost at sea. Mm-hmm. When you're mm-hmm. carrying a heavy a heavy load, yes, that you can look to that compass and know where to go, mm-hmm. because he will take you right to himself, mm-hmm. because that that's where the peace is, mm-hmm. that's where the love is, that's where the joy is, that is where the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. He he's calling us back to himself always. Mm-hmm. I did need him, I did not think that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, before I understood he was my Lord, before I understood he was my savior, mm. and I felt that I had it all together, that I knew what I was doing, I was a good person. Uh, and I went to mass and I, I you know, gave money to the poor and sure. did the sacraments, you know. I didn't believe, I didn't feel it, I didn't come to him because yeah. I thought I didn't need him. Yep. But it was when I realized that I actually did need him and my heart was broken and I did need yeah. rest and somebody to abide in, that's when the door was opened, and mm. that's when my faith began to to believe. So sure. what advice to give to people, ask. Ask for it if you want to. And if you don't want to, then you might need to ask yourself, who is your trust in? Mm. Who or his or yours? Get wrecked. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a hard and good word. So Sorry. Carla, what were you going to yes. say? Well, for me, you know, I think as a human beings, we have um, God gave us the will, we have the power to decide what is good and what is right. And we, when those moments come, mm. those um, difficulties in life are coming, you have, uh, we have the right to decide, okay, how I wanna live my life. Yeah. Do you wanna live with sadness? Do you wanna be with joy? And okay, if I want to have a joy, but I don't know how, because you were asking the question, for those people who are don't believe or those people who are no Catholic, who let's are just say, unsure, uh, I mean, yeah. unsure or yeah. whatever, you know, they just try to answer those big questions for, you know, who, why I'm here and what, what to be, what, how I can change my life yeah. on that feeling that I feel sadness or with a lot of brokenness. But I will say, okay, you have the power, God gave you the power to decide where is the way you want to go. Yeah. And if you don't know how, just Ask why, like Atesi was saying, ask the Lord. I mean, you don't have anything to lose. Yeah. Even though you don't believe, even though you don't understand how it's going to look like. Yep. Mm-hmm. But just ask and say, I mean, how this is going to work? Mm-hmm. I want a different life, but open mind and heart just for whatever God is going to reveal to you. Right. And he's going to lead the path for you. So he's going to provide, you know, that faith that you will need. and. Yep. Little by little, so he's gonna treat us like our children. You know, the children needs to go slowly, and he will give you what you need one 
one thing at a time in yep. order to believe and move it closer to him. Yeah, he's always going to give us those options, right? Yes. Yeah. So he say, okay, I know you want to be close to me. I know he knows better. Yeah. He's our father. He knows us. And he say, I know you probably wants to be closer to me. You don't know how. I will teach you how. Mm-hmm. I will lead you how. But just my recommendation will be, you don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. Just open, mm-hmm. open mind, open heart to the Lord and see what he's going to have prepared for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make the invitation and he will show up. Yes, yes. he will. Yeah. And it might not be this massively big, oh, I see you now moment. Yeah. You might take a year to realize that he actually had given already the yep. grace. Yep. Yes. It might be a Hansel and Gretel situation where he, you know, breadcrumbs kind of. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a bad analogy because don't they get eaten by a wolf mm-hmm. or something? I don't know. No, 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 that's a different story. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's just gradual. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, there's a temptation. I think I've experienced this in my own life that it's like kind of caught up in my emotions. And if I don't feel God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then he's not there or real or whatever. And that's just a lie. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. It is. Uh, that's a lie from the 21st century culture of I need to be, I have to feel everything. Mm-hmm. It's all about I'm going to do my truth. is all about what I feel. And like, that's not true. That's not true. Things are true whether or not we feel it or not, mm-hmm. you know. But the Lord loves our emotions too. Mm-hmm. Not to confuse it. They're not evil. They're not bad. They're just neutral. You know, they're just emotions. We feel things and that's it's part of being human. So mm-hmm. any other thoughts? Yes. You had asked what I wanted to talk about and I didn't know. Great. Um, but I have an idea. Come on. Um, and it, it's related to what you were saying. Okay. Uh, it, word, what is the role of emotions? You know, what role mm-hmm. do they play? Um, and it's, I'm putting on my CCO hat. Yes. Or speaking out of that rather. Um, we propose uh, that there are three elements to a conversion. Um, there, there needs to be like so that it's it's integral. You know, sure. it, it it involves the the human person as yeah. a whole, um, and it is based in part on uh, um, Jesus's uh, love the Lord with mm-hmm. all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your heart. So there you have three, mm. three and strength. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so then the first one, you know, is th- there is an understanding yeah. with all your mind. Like we we are rational creatures. We've been given this gift to know and understand the yeah. world, to study it, to be analytical. We have that, and that's a gift from the Lord. And so then that needs to be used. So part of a conversion involves understanding. Yep. I didn't understand anything about the Eucharist, you know, at the beginning. Um, I, I understood little about my faith. Um, I didn't understand that Jesus had died to save me. Yeah. These, so these things were lacking in my conversion at the beginning. Um, so understanding, you know, and this is where information comes in. You know, if somebody doesn't understand, you explain. This is where apologetics come in. Um, the whole idea of, of what we understand and what we know and what sure. we study. One element. That yep. needs to be there. There's yep. a place for that. It's essential. You do not have a full conversion mm-hmm. if you don't have that. Yep. And it can be a conversion to Jesus, a conversion to the Eucharist, a conversion to mission. You know, all, both of these things sure. um, need to be part of there. Uh, the second one. Um, it involves another pot- potentiality of the soul, um, another power of the human being, which is free will, the capacity Ascent, to yeah. choose, yeah. the capacity mm-hmm. to decide. So first you understand that actually they don't need to be in order, but they 
that you can first understand, mm-hmm. but it's not enough if you just know a lot of things. Yep. You need to act on them. You need to choose. Make a decision. Make, Make a decision. A decision. Mm-hmm. You have these two things. The Lord says to Moses, you have these two things. I place two things before you have good and evil. Which one will you choose? Mm-hmm. Which path will you choose to go to? Um, or if you think about going back to the spousal and the theology of the body and the sure. whole analogy, um, if the groom, you know, if, if the man um, gets on one knee and, and asks, will you, you know, do you want to marry me? Mm-hmm. And her answer is like, oh, you are so nice. Oh yes, you you are you're such a good man. That's not what he asked. An answer is a choice is expected. Yeah. Of yes, I will. Yes, I choose to. Yes, mm. I choose you. You know, there needs to be an act of the sure. the will to say yes, and that is expressed out loud through the mouth. Mm-hmm. Would you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord? Is the Saint Paul? We need to confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord. But yeah. We need to say it, and then he says, and believe it in your heart. Mm-hmm. So then you already have the understanding. You you, you know who, who he is. You un, you've, you've come to understand. You've studied. You've watched all the Scott Hahn videos or, or, sure. or all the, you've listened to this podcast. Hey. You know, <laughs> you've all of that. That will give you the understanding. Yeah. Then you need to make a choice yeah. of I choose to believe in this. Mm-hmm. I choose to place my trust in this, uh, in this thing. And the other, the last component is the heart. You know, and as we understand the heart these days, there is an emotional component to sure. there. Emotions do come there. I don't want a romantic relationship that is only based on understanding and will. Mm. I will be mm-hmm. like devout of of every emotion, devout of of like what's what's that's maybe not devout is maybe not the right word. Um, missing, you know, where mm. I, I don't want a relationship that is just hard, just just a choice mm-hmm. and will. Because then there will be no heart, you know. There will be no no emotion, no passion. I don't want a relationship, yeah. a romantic relationship, where there is no passion. Mm-hmm. Um, that neither does the Lord. Sure. So then, emotion does need to be he there. He cares about it. Yeah. It, it mm-hmm. does need. It is an element. Encounter with the Lord is profound. It touches our hearts. Mm-hmm. I, many of us have been in tears mm-hmm. uh, when, or, or in joy, or leaping, or dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, when when encountering Him, like that is an element. Yeah. Uh, it is part of a human person, sure. and so it is an element. But we can never have only one of the three. Mm. We, we should have the three. Mm-hmm. The, the three are, have a place, and we should never assume that we can replace one of these three by the other. Yep. So if I have emotion, oh, then that's great. I don't need the other two. I don't need to understand. No. Or if you understand but there's no emotion, that is also not what the Lord wants. Mm-hmm. He, it, there's a fullness to the human yeah. person that he asks. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes one of these is lacking, and that's fair. You know, we, we are broken human beings, and we need grace, and, and we will get there. You know, it, there, but... We leak. Yeah. We leak grace. And that's he, why he keeps and, giving it. I, that, that's a great, a great analogy. I hadn't thought about that. Yes, but he will keep giving it, yep. you know? And so then conversion either to the, to the Blessed Sacrament or to Jesus as Lord and Savior or to mission or sure. whatever, whatever you want... Um, requires these these three elements, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't um, hierarchically place one above the other, mm-hmm. uh, and think that everything is emotion, or that everything is will, yeah. or that everything is understanding. Yeah. But that the three play an important role. Yeah. Um, I hear you. And and therefore we should seek to give as as evangelists, you know, as missionaries, yeah. um, seek to give people the three 
of them, you know? Um, sure. And not just information and not just emotion, but yeah. also invite them to make a choice. And and so then when I sat before the Lord in adoration that time and yeah. I and I asked him to believe, it is I want to believe. Yeah. That's an act of my will that says I I, I want to. I this is what I want and I choose. I didn't have the emotion at the time. I also didn't have the understanding, but he took my will and he made use of it. Uh, and that created the door for and he gave the other two then. Sure. In time. Yeah. Yeah, and the desire. Yeah, the desire was there. Yeah. I will say, you know, uh, these three components for conversion, uh, we should be uh, not have it all the time for granted. Mm. Mm. In, in the way I see it is like continually had it in our mind, you know, to keep up the balance, you know, mm. and kind of appreciating how I'm doing with those three components. Because that is uh, conversion is happening all the time mm-hmm. until we are going to be close to Jesus, you know, in front of Jesus sure. and say, here I am. Uh, but, okay, how I'm doing this? And that is balance, you know, how I'm moving myself, how I'm growing, you know, in my um, holiness to Jesus and keeping this three component very close to me, you yeah. know, kind of, okay, how I'm doing with this area? How I'm, uh, I'm doing that? I mean, where do I need to grow up more? Mm-hmm. Where God are telling me, you need to kind of be transformed a little bit in this because that is when grace is coming and we are able to move more into the holiness more and give us a, a strong uh, sense of the mission that mm-hmm. he wants for us to do. So I will say this three component, in my opinion, should be very close to me yeah. and kind of uh, paying attention constantly how I'm doing on that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the, the heart is the seat of the soul. Like the heart is where the soul rests, is where it dwells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, intellect intellect and will, like that's mm-hmm. our soul. Yeah, it's just interesting the way in which the Lord captivates us, right? You think about captivating, he brings us to a head. Uh, he 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 makes himself the head of us uh, he, through his presence. When we, Whenever we encounter him uh, in one of these transcendental realities, right? These, the truth, beauty, and goodness. Like those are usually the things that rock our socks. Those are the things that rock our hearts mm-hmm. and captivate yes. our hearts. And for me, it was goodness. Um, and for some people, it's truth. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, this this has to make, this makes sense. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. this makes sense. Mm-hmm. What? And then some people, it's climbing a 14er and seeing, you know, the beautiful landscape before you and just like being at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. It just depends. Um, but yeah, the heart, the mind, and the soul. the soul. So you guys kind of take a little artistic liberty, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we, it makes we sense. Call yeah. it three-legged an, an, stool. An act of the will. Yeah. Um, an act of the heart, and, and an act of the of the mind. Sure. Um, I'm not so. gonna. I'm not gonna put that on the theological grill. N- yeah. But it no, sounds no, no, great. No. No. So well, I'm not saying heart in in the understanding of sure. the seat of the soul. Sure. Um, I'm. I'm when I talk about yeah, these yeah. three acts, uh, an act of the heart, I'm referring to the emotional yeah. end, to the human connection, yeah. passion, yep. intimacy part. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm understanding. So these are these 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 three acts are under, from the understanding of today's an act of love, right? Of yeah. how you how you see uh, how we define um, how people understand heart these days. Yeah. Um, as just emotion, like right. it's, we we are, it, we say that there is that a part to that. Um, because like, if God uses the the marriage analogy, the spousal analogy, a lot. 
from the very beginning to yeah. the very end of the Bible and referring all the way through the prophets yeah. and the, the gospels and the letters. Um, and Jesus yeah. calls himself the groom. Then we should look at that relationship yeah. as a way of how should we relate to the Lord. And that relationship, if, if think about marriage, you know, Th- think about when do we declare that somebody is married? They have come to know someone, they've come to understand them, and they have expressed out loud a choice for yeah. that person. But then if, if you only have those two things, then we have, again, the fiddler on the roof. Sure. With the, but I've done all these things for you. I've chosen you to, to serve you every time. Yeah. But then the question is, yeah, but what was behind that? Mm-hmm. You know, what motivates your choice? Yeah. I, I don't want a romantic relationship where there is no romance. Yeah, the marriage. Like, what what is it that comprises a marriage, right? It's, I mean, the, the questions that they ask during the rite of marriage is beautiful. It's like, will you, do you promise to love this person mm-hmm. faithfully, mm-hmm. freely, fully, and fruitfully? Mm-hmm. Four Fs, can't forget it. Maybe not in that order. I don't know. I'm not a priest. I don't do this a lot or a deacon. <laughs> but the point being that, yeah, it's faithfully. Am I? Do I promise to give you myself and, and to be faithful just to you mm-hmm. exclusively to the exclusion of everybody else? I'm saying yes to you and I'm saying no to everybody else. Come on. Do I promise to give myself uh, freely? Yes, this I'm, I'm doing this of my own free will. I'm not being held hostage here. <laughs> Fruitfully, yes, unto bearing new life with you, that love which just full, it just, it, it's so full that it can't stay in the same glass. Mm-hmm. It just overflows Close. into new life. Yes, I promise. And do I promise to love you uh, fully, fully, completely? Mm-hmm. Yes. All of me. Come on, all of me. Nothing mm-hmm. is excluded, nor, no doors, no walls. Mm-hmm. You and me, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, the Lord wants the same thing for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as it happens in marriage, um, maybe the emotion isn't there. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe right now you actually would rather kill your husband because of what happened. Uh, Yeah, I think my wife knows what that feels like. (laughs) But the the choice, the promise that you made, the assent of your will, what you've decided will guide in that moment and, yeah. and be like, I yes, I am angry, but this is the one I chose. Mm-hmm. This is my decision. Yeah. And so I choose to love, even though the emotion isn't there. Yeah. But to then say that it is all just the the will and that emotion isn't part of it mm-hmm. would also not right. be right, you know, because yeah. then you wouldn't be human. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like this, this process, or do you have something? Yeah. It's yeah. like the process of conversion is the process of building a ship in which you sail through faith uh, on this this is kind of a tacky analogy, but on the sea of life, but just this, uh, if, if any of those promises fail or if any of those mm-hmm. promises disappear, then it breaks. Mm-hmm. It's just broken. Mm-hmm. Not to say it can't be restored through forgiveness and grace. I'm just saying like, you know, you can't have one without the other, mm-hmm. all the That's others true. at the same time. So yeah, what a profound love story that we find ourselves caught up in. The Lord is writing our stories. Indeed. With a lot of broken lines, he's making straight our path with a lot of broken lines, so uh, or crooked lines, I should say. And um, yeah, any closing thoughts? Great. Ask. Ask. Don't be self, open. Don't say. Don't self rely. Mm. Be, op- be open that the Lord is waiting for you to have that encounter, to love you, to mm-hmm. restore you, to heal you, to give you a full life of love. Mercy and hope. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us today, dear listeners. If you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Help us get the word out there that Jesus is alive, truly that he is present in the Holy Eucharist. Help us get the word out there. When you leave a review, five stars, and a written review especially, you're actually going to make us show up higher when people search for things according to faith. So thanks for all those who have done so, and thanks for everybody who is going to do that. Um, Jesus loves you. He's about a good work, and I can't wait to see uh, what he has in store for us as church. So thanks for tuning in. This is Numana. We'll see you next week. Thank you.